You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where every episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. talking about ZZ Top Eliminator on the line. I have Rob. Hey there. Ben. Guess who I have to spank my monkey? And Kyle. Howdy. Eliminator is the eighth studio album by the American rock band ZZ Top. It was released on March 23rd, 1983 by Warner Brothers. And the producer was Bill Ham. The genre is hard rock, blues rock, new wave, and synth rock. I'm going to read from All Music Review, Stephen Thomas Irwine. ZZ Top had reached the top of the charts before, but that didn't make their sudden popularity in 1983 any more predictable. It wasn't that they were just popular. They were hip, for God's sake, since they were one of the only AOR favorites to figure out to harness the stylish, synthesized grooves of New Wave and then figure out how to sell it on MTV. Of course, it helped that they had songs that deserved to be hits with Give Me All Your Lovin', Sharp Dressed Man, and Legs. They had their greatest set of singles since the heydays of Trace Hombres, and the songs that surrounded them weren't bad either. They would have been singles on El Loco, as a matter of fact. The songs alone would have made Illuminar one of ZZ Top's three greatest albums, but their embrace of synth and sequencers made it a blockbuster hit, since it was the sound of the times. Years later, the sound of the times winds up sounding a bit stiff. It's still an excellent ZZ Top album, one of their best, yet it sounds like a mechanized ZZ Top, thanks to the unflagging accrued grooves. Then again, it's part of the album's charm. This is New Wave Blues Rock glossed up for the video, looking good as the car on the cover. Not the sort the old school fans of blues rock purists will love, but ZZ Top never sounded as much like a band of its time as they did here. All right, what do we think of ZZ Top Eliminator? What the fuck do you think we think of ZZ Top Eliminator, you (laughs) ding-dong? I learned a lot this week about one of the most famous albums of one of my favorite bands. For for the record, I I love ZZ Top and, and I like Eliminator. Is ZZ Top, is Eliminator really a ZZ Top album though? Or is it a Billy Gibbons album? Hard to say. I mean, they play I mean, they play drums and they play bass, but do they? They they play this record live as ZZ they, Top. Well, they play it live, but are tour by himself? They play it live, yes, and they're credited on the album as drums and bass, yes. But are we actually hearing Dusty Hill or Frank Beard? Some of these songs were fully recorded and they weren't even around. Like, got me under pressure. They started in uh, Billy and uh, the engineer Lyndon Hudson. We're dicking around with some synthesizers and started and finished that track without Dusty or Frank being anywhere near them. It's I mean, weird. It's really it's weird. weird. Yeah. I mean, they have writing credits. I'm glad they do because, man, these songs sold. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, the album is a huge seller. Crazy how how much is sold. I got 20 million. I still think it's a ZZ Top album. I mean, yeah, of course it is. They they surely contributed. I mean, I read report I read different stories. Some people said that they didn't think they played on any of the al- any of the album, and some people said, "No, that's not actually true." Like they're in the album and they wrote some of the parts. Or at least maybe they didn't have Maybe they had it fully fleshed out and they recorded those, but maybe they re-recorded with some of these. But you bring up a good point. Thank you. (laughs) ZZ Top, I think, is such a cool band. Uh, We we lost Dusty a few weeks ago, RIP. So I've been listening to even more ZZ Top than usual. Uh, So it was great listening to Eliminator this last week. I love the early just Texas blues boogie-woogie ZZ Top. I love in the late seventies as they start to get kind of weird, like, like from like Tejas on they're like, they're definitely experimenting with their boogie woogie. Like there's some psychedelic parts. Mm-hmm. There's, they're like stretching a bit and there's some weird songs. Some of it fits, some of it doesn't. So like, like fast forward to 82 and I feel like they're one of the, 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 the few like old guard rock and roll bands that can, embrace the sound of the of the day not only make it their own and 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 kind of update their sound but this sounds like it, i don't feel like they sacrificed any of their zz topness on this album by adding synthesizers and sequencers it it, it still sound it, it, it doesn't sound to me like like oh man why'd they go and do that for what happened to the zz top i love yeah which it is, sounds you know, like a lot of people felt that way like a lot of their fans i mean this is like their eighth record you know for them to come out with these like was it 124 beats per minute songs you know and like the what's it, the fair light right mm-hmm. yeah yep. mm-hmm. yeah again, which is awesome but you know i could i could see a lot you know this is a southern blues rock band i can see a lot of people just being like what the shit you know like goddamn mtv you know and I feel like like the, their beards weren't new at this point, but I feel like while they were growing their beards, they weren't at the top of the pops. So then they come out with Eliminator, and all of a sudden they're all over MTV, and they and they they come out the gate with that look, like that ZZ Top look, and they've got this trio of videos that are all tied together. It's just like it's just like perfect package for consumers you know it it it, it just may turn them into on on the good side of the scale icons on the goofy side of the scale cartoon characters but yeah. they're able to ride that line you know yeah i was gonna say icons as well i mean they they had already established their sort of brand the zz top brand if you will the texas yeah. boogie the trio the beards you know they all they had all that going for them the cars all that kind of stuff. And then here, here comes Eliminator. They try, yeah, they do the, the new thing and man, you're right. It just really took off. And I, those videos absolutely helped. Um, having, you know, flashy cars, uh, playboy models, um, who, who they said that <laughs> they, they didn't really want to be featured too much in the videos because the girls looked better than they did. Like, they knew they were, you know, they were the old guard and no one really wanted to see them in these videos. And that's why they're in it so little. And when you watch them, 
I, I, I love it. Was it Solange that said uh, the the theme "Touched by a Redneck Angel"? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's the role they play. They they just show up when you're having a bad day. They're like a Mentos commercial. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they just show up in that car and toss you the keys, and it gets better. I love that, especially at this point of the career. They're such a visual band. They've got so much like visual iconography that goes along with them. But they have such, they've established such a tradition of just like clean, fast, boogie woogie that no one, no one is going to be like, oh yeah, ZZ Top, they're all gimmick. They're, they're all just like beards and cars. Yeah. So they, they can pull off that, that, that cartoon character thing. Yeah. You know? I think you're right too about the, you know, embracing this new thing. I mean, it's their eighth album for crying out loud. You know, how how much more Texas Boogie do you want with just straddling a line of here's blues rock, here's a little, you know, a little something mixed in. I mean, try something different. Are you asking me personally how much ZZ Top I can take? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> but uh, but you appreciate this, right? Like, like I do. Yeah. Eliminator is not my favorite ZZ Top album, but it is a juggernaut of a record. And I mean this probably paid for every <laughs> everything they ever did after this too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With that eliminator, we don't get to double back again. We do not get to, and you that, can't have an that, afterburner without an eliminator. No recycler. Certainly cannot, cannot slip inside my sleeping bag. <laughs> and you can't have a uh, new dance called the Velcro fly. So, <laughs> <laughs> and so right now we are listening to, I got the six. Uh, which is the one track on the album with Dusty on vocals, on lead vocals. He's often the backup vocalist. It seems like he gets at least one track per album to just take the spotlight, though. I like when Dusty gets to sing. What do you think about this song? I think the song's fucking goofy. Lyric- <laughs> oh. Lyr- so lyrically, stupid. this song is so dumb. But musically, it's like it's just running a clinic on like delightfully cheesy guitar rock. It's like riffs that Angus Young would be like, I don't know, it's a little on the nose. Yeah. But I like it. I had kind of forgotten that every single song is 120 beats per minute. The quote-unquote most popular tempo in, in rock. That also goes back to uh, Lyndon Hudson. He yep. was a, yep. a, yeah, an engineer in Texas, and he was way into the science of it. So he's, he's, Mm -hmm. he was very interested in like the, the new recording technology, the new synthesizing technology. And he was also just very interested in data. So he would just feed statistics into a computer. And that was to, to kind of like plot out the success of songs. And that was how he got the, like the bell curve of like 120 beats per minute being the perfect rock song. And he told Billy about it. And so they, just made a whole album of 120 beats per minute, which is Nerds. weird. Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> it, Nerds. it seems like Lyndon Hudson was onto something. Yeah. Because this album's just shitting out hits. Thing that uh, 
uh, Gibbon said is he was like, we were just having a good day, you know, playing around with the crazy machines, making all these wicked sounds. He said the first thing we did was throw away the instruction manuals, and then we started twisting knobs until we said, that's what ZZ Top should sound like. I love it. Actually, the Fairlight did not have knobs, so if they were to throw away the instruction manual, actually, they wouldn't have been able to write any of these songs. So The, the Fairlight wasn't the only thing they were using, though. They, they had regular, they had other synths, too, though, right? Yeah. Or is it just... Yeah. I, I would I would assume so. Is the is the Fairlight that's where you can sample. record a sample and send because I think that's a lot of the drums I think like they were taking recordings of yeah. Frank Beard's kit and then yeah. just snapping them to a grid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Frank Beard definitely played on this album. <laughs> he played he played a snare note. <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, that, and that's they, all the dude from Duff Leppard did. <laughs> He's credited. So get out of here. Hey, no, for the record, I'm very happy that Frank Beard and Dusty Hill got writing credits and playing credits on this album because I want the best for both of those good old boys. But I was mm-hmm. surprised from what I was reading. I was led to believe that when you're listening to Eliminator, you're not necessarily listening to Dusty Hill and Frank Beard play. Mm. And Dusty Hill and Frank Beard are one of the best rhythm sections in the game 50 years running uh, and, and up until a couple weeks ago. Even with the best rhythm section in the game, it, they're not a machine. And part of what makes these songs work is that it's just, it, it, it's so snapped in, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, maybe that's the, the real transition is not just using the synthesizers, but it's using the digital technology at the time to bring this band to MTV generation. Yeah. 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 Are you insinuating that Dusty Hill is not playing slap bass on Thug? I think that he is playing slap bass on Thug, but I don't think that he's playing bass on Legs. Okay. Does he do slap bass on other records? Mm, I I don't have their entire catalog, but on nothing I've heard is their slap bass. Yeah. Except for Thug. Thug, which which Lyndon Hudson actually took him to court for writing credits for Thug uh, for $600,000. It's not a $600,000 song. It's not a $600,000 song. What I don't understand, though, like the writing on the wall is that Lyndon Hudson's name should be all over the liner notes of this record. Just like anyone that's that involved that isn't, was it No Point Eldrin? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Ezrin. Ezrin, no point Ezrin. Yeah. But his his name doesn't show up anywhere. I'm looking at the liner notes and there is not one mention of him. And even even if so there's two sides of the story. There's like the the Lyndon Hudson uh, account of what happened and there's the Billy Gibbons account of what happened. Even according to the Billy Gibbons account, the dude's name should be in the liner notes, you know, for for pre-production. Yeah, on Wikipedia he is listed for pre-production engineer, but on he's Wikipedia, but, 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 not he's, on the, but he's not here. Yeah, yeah, but not there. Yeah, listen to that slap bass. Listen to him slapping the bass. You think that's a really... Um, that can't be. It sounds like Seinfeld. <laughs> Which is a synth. The Seinfeld theme is a synth. That's what I'm saying. So this might be a synth, too. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't like know whether it is or whether it isn't, but... It does sound synthy now that I'm listening to it. Were they uh? Did, did they have the guitars that flipped around before this point? Or that was no, for was, that, that was for legs. Yep, that was there was made for the legs. The video. motorized flipping guitars. The way those worked, instead of having like a, it was like instead of having like a standard uh, quarter inch jack, the signal went through like the the belt buckle was attached to like 
like a bearing mm-hmm. and the signal went through that and and the guitar snapped into that and that's plugging in the guitar so they could like spin it around and it doesn't like the cord doesn't tangle and it doesn't lose its signal because it's going right through right through like the bearing hinge beautiful it's really cool <laughs> it is very cool and they do bust out those well at, at least last time i saw them they i couldn't see why they would ever stop busting out those fur covered explorers <laughs> with, with 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 the axle <laughs> mm-hmm. why the hell would lyndon hudson want his name on this shitty song <laughs> oh come on it, it, it's not the it's best true. thing on this record you're, like, it's you're not right. the best song on this record but like I said, one of the things I like about ZZ Top is they're not afraid to get weird and trash it out. And on this album, Thug is the only song that I can hear them breaking away from the formula to try something out. And Thug doesn't necessarily work, but I like that. I like that they're always, at least for for a while. I've like I haven't heard recent ZZ Top records, but they're always willing to try something weird, see if it sticks. I mean, yeah. if I was going to sue ZZ Top for writing credits when I should have been getting writing credits all over this, I would have gone for Legs or, yeah. you know, Sharp Dressed Man. Yeah. But but fucking thug. TV Dinners. I mean, any- sure. let's talk about TV Dinners. Why, do, why, why is this song about TV Dinners? I love what's, it. What's really weird is um, I read that like Billy Gibbons saw this lady like in an all white like painter's uniform that just said TV Dinners on it. Yeah. Uh huh. So it wasn't even inspired by TV dinners. It's just some <laughs> chick he saw, and he was like, "Oh, that's funny," you know. Sometimes I feel like Billy Gibbons spends a lot of time working on a guitar rift and the perfect tone, and then just slaps some lyrics around it. Okay, I had a revelation with this record. The song "Legs," love this song, great song. Everyone loved. I loved that song since I was a little kid. I got to the lyrics. She's got hair down to her fanny. She's kind of jet set. Try to undo her panties? What does that even mean? Maybe they fasten with a clasp. That's not how panties work, man. That's how I've never, work. I haven't seen all the panties. I don't know. You undo them? Oh, maybe they tie on the side like a bikini bottom? Perhaps. I'm not jet set, so I'm not privy <laughs> some have snaps. to these styles yes. that they wear. You're right. Some have snaps. Mm, mm. Sometimes snaps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 Oh, God. Yeah, this song could have been called anything. Oh, TV dinner? Yeah. <laughs> TV dinners, they're going to my head. TV dinners, my skin is turning red. Yeah. Dude, I kind of love it, though, because it's... Like it's the Ramones. Oh, yeah. It's totally yeah. like that... What'd you say? Yeah, it's like uh, it's like a culture thing. It's, it's like you're only eating TV dinners if you can't get the... You know, get a real meal. Mm-hmm. It just feels... <laughs> It's it's like thinking well, about like a burrito a or something. It, maybe I, I don't know his relationship status. Maybe at this point in their career, he's a well-off musician, but living that bachelor life when he's home. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, also, this song's pretty much the same as Don Henley's "Dirty Laundry." Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the album come out. I think it was early '80s. Yeah. Uh, the videos for uh, this album did win ZZ Top awards for best band and best group video at the 1984 MTV Music Awards. You see who yeah, did, directed those videos? Tim Newman, right? Yeah, Randy's cousin. Yeah. <laughs> he also directed the video for I Love LA. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
I think it's uh, front loaded too. I, I'm glad legs is you know side one track two or side two track yeah. one. Um, but yeah, like the the big hitters are on the front end for sure. It's true. Even even like I got the six or got me under pressure. They they work. I mean, I love got me under pressure. Yeah, that riff yeah. on the on the on the chorus. Although I will say, I mean, I guess having thug and then TV dinners, I mean, it's like the slow tempo. It kind of does a little bit of a lull and it brings mm-hmm. it back up. Uh, you guys have a favorite ZZ top album. I think it was the last one we're going to cover. Oh, I do have to tell you though, Ben, uh, and figured out that alcohol, alcohol by oh. mustache is a- actually just TV dinners. The, the <laughs> little bridge there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'd never noticed that before. Oh, really? There, yeah, there's another one that we haven't recorded called 25 Karat Gold that is it's it's just uh, chewed up and spit out, just got paid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm going with uh, Trace Hombres for my favorite of their, uh, their output. Cool. I think that one's damn near perfect. Um, I like this one. I enjoy Afterburner. I'm an Afterburner boy myself. Nice. Yeah, I think I think Trace Hombres for me. I love the early stuff. I love Trace Hombres. I think the one I always come back to is Tejas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still got a lot of that Texas boogie woogie, yeah. but it's got some like cool psychedelic stuff, and it's also got some like straightforward country rock. Like it's a weird record, but I like okay. it a lot. Tejas. I don't think I've listened to that one very much. It's a good one. I think it's two after Trace Hombres. I think it goes like Trace Hombre. I could be wrong. Trace Hombres. Like Deguayo and then Tejas, maybe? No, it's Fandango, which is... Fandango. Uh, yeah, and then it goes to uh, Tejas. And then Deguayo after Tejas? Yeah. All right. everybody's dad own this album not mine not, not mine. mine no yeah but. i did on tape nice cool dad it's a it's a this is a great dad album for sure that's cool wally you got, you got there <laughs> the eliminator is a 1933 ford coupe custom rotted out commissioned by billy f gibbons yeah it's in a museum somewhere i think it should be in the Long rock hall in a museum. I, don't, I don't know where it is <laughs> Seems like eventually it'll end up in the Rock Hall. I saw ZZ Top's uh, outfits from like the Eliminator days in the Rock Hall. And according, based on the proportions of the outfits, Frank Beard is a slight little man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's a a tiny dude. (laughs) Just like a little jumper for, for a kid. So I looked at people who covered these songs and Sharp Dressed Man was covered by Debbie Harry. Huh. And then later by Nickelback. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, God. What's the connection? Uh, the Nickelback connection is because I think Gibbons uh, guest starred on one of their records, like played a guitar solo on one of their albums. Mm-hmm. 
I think that Nickelback also might have played their rendition of Sharp Dressed Man during ZZ Top's induction to the the Rock Hall. Oh, that's depressing. Isn't that a bummer? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Billy likes what he likes. And if he likes Nickelback, then good on him. He's an unapologetic dude. And I like Mm -hmm. that he likes what he likes. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I like that 50 years later from their first album, he's still cool as shit like yeah. he, he's like a wine he only gets cooler the older he gets can you can you explain their style to me because i i'm trying to figure out is it old prospector or is it garage mechanic or hobo <laughs> oh you mean like the visual yeah style because i always i always see them and i'm like what what style are they going for well they they, they the the style kind of it 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 morphs a little bit throughout the years, throughout the albums. Okay. But, uh, like for, for like, uh, Eliminator, they had like the beards and sunglasses, but then like fedoras and trench coats, you right. know? And then they had, uh, they had berets for a little while. They wore berets. Yeah. Right. And then like right now the, he, I, I like the way he looks right now that generally all black leather embroidery. And then like, uh, like the beat up like 10 gallon hat. I think that and like decked out in like turquoise and silver uh, jewelry. It's, it's a it's a cool look. You're like that dude is cool. <laughs> was was Burn the Witch uh, the song that Billy Gibbons showed up on uh, by Queens of the Stone Age? Yes. Oof. With the beard harmonic. Mm. <laughs> oh, nice. Now love the beard but, harmonic. <laughs> they kept it in. <laughs> Hit it just right. So in general, I'm not that impressed by quote unquote, really good blues guitarists, mm-hmm. you know, like, I, but I'm way into Billy Gibbons's guitar playing. It's like, it, it, it's transcendent of just like the blues guitar to me. I don't know if it's his tone or just how clean it is or how he's always got that shuffle of a boogie going on. It just, it doesn't just grind my gears. Like, like, like dentist blues, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to trying to think of what you're picking up on. I mean, for one, it's he never lingers longer than he probably, you know, should. So he probably he knows the correct amount to it's more of a filler than a showing off. And I think that's what makes me uh, when you see a blues musician who is not showing off, they're just showing you a song that's. Mm-hmm. that's great for me. I mean, that's what I like. Whereas I, th- I think we all have a distaste for someone like showing off, you know, some people are into that, but some people are more into, Oh, I'd rather, you know, I want to see this unique playing style and this unique tone and just give me another song that has, you know, maybe a solo in it and don't just take a three to five minute solo. That's true. And another thing is, uh, you know, he can, he can rip a, a blues solo like the best of them, but and there's blue, and there's solos in a lot of these songs. We're listening to one right now, but m- most of what he does is just like crunchy riff based. Like so many of these songs are just built around a crunchy riff that just gets in your ear. And so many of them are like very, very literally within the box. But just his tone and the way he does it is just so tasty. Yep, he's a, you know uh, he's a sort of like that Albert King, sort of like BB King, of that just it's it's fill it's that tasty filler it's like just little sprinkles of 
of wonderful guitar licks throughout a song. His guitar just, it just sparkles. Yeah. You know what I thought was interesting about this record is it could have turned out completely terribly. Like oh, this it could have been. Oh, totally. Yeah, it could have gone either way. If they were doing some, the craziest synth sounds and trying to mash that up with blues rock. Yeah. <laughs> I need to, I need to find that album. I need to find the album that failed like <laughs> Stevie Ray Vaughan, like trying to go synth or, you know, something along the lines of, of that mashup that just went terribly wrong. Maybe, I'm sure it's out there. Yeah. Maybe the, I need to revisit those, uh, 80s who, uh, Ooh. albums because I do remember those not being, yeah, they tried to mash their sound to like synth and it just didn't seem to, to work after they had like su- one song. Yeah, yeah. They had successfully done it with like, <laughs> Who's next? And then all of a sudden, it, it just <laughs> they couldn't couldn't sustain. Mm-mm. So number two in Australia, number four in Austria, number four in uh, with the Dutch, only twenty five with the Germans, thirteen with the Swedish, eleven with the Swiss, thirteen with the Norwegians. Uh, the Southern Hemisphere really liked him though. New Zealand and Australia both number, or I guess New Zealand's four, Australia's two, uh, UK three. This album How about US? did really well. Uh, US was number nine on the Billboard 200. That's not bad. These are the Michael Jackson Madonna years. Yeah. Yeah. So, hot dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, uh, this fucking album sold. <laughs> My God, it sold. I wonder if I had been a, uh, a, a, a cognizant uh, adult when this was happening. Like... Uh, Let's pretend that I was a punk and in the post-punk thing and being inundated with uh, ZZ Top all the time if I would have gotten like sick of this. I, I don't th- think I would have. I think I would have had a reaction to it. It seems more like classic rock than the new thing. I mean, at the time. Yeah. Hindsight's, uh, you know. I'm glad I don't have to live in that world. Mm. You know, <laughs> a, a wise man once said, if you don't like ZZ Top, fuck you. <laughs> and that is <laughs> I have four of those bumper stickers myself. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> I'm going to assume we don't need to go around and everyone's on the positive. Yeah, man, yes. this shit rules. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've listened to this album so many times over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, this is a really good uh, road album, too. You got, to, you got to do that in practice this week, right, Birch? Uh, yeah, eight hours, and I definitely listened to it over three or four times. So, <laughs> yeah, the 120... Uh, beats it it just it just it's over before you even know it too when you're on the it is when you're on the road but yeah those are some really good road songs for sure let's bid uh bid easy top a fond farewell by pointing and then all disappearing oh. <laughs> i'll do the little round and yeah point. Yep, little round. <laughs> all right next time we'll be talking about eurythmics sweet dreams are made of this thanks y'all